You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's Locked On Hornets. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team. Every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network, and you can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nada the Scribe. We're going to talk about maybe some players that you could start to have a conversation about any concerns um, with them going forward. We can continue to discuss what the Charlotte Hornets will do, maybe adding to their roster later on, but we will continue to discuss the recaps of these games, of course, that the Hornets play. And last night, they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. They lost 130 to 114. And it was their first loss in a few games. They were looking for their third or their second straight three game win streak in eight games. They would have and, actually uh, been five and again, they, they won too. Yes, they would have. It would have been 13 and 13. Instead, they go to 12 and 14 because they lose to Memphis and Memphis gets to 500 with that win. They go to 10 and 10 after losing the four previous games. Now, Nada, I think the just looking at the overview here, the Grizzlies were flames from behind the arc. They shot 20. They shot 49 three pointers overall. They made 47 percent of them that equals 23 total and that set a franchise record for Memphis for most threes they ever hit in a game and it's not the first time that we had seen that from a team this season where we've seen three other teams besides the Grizzlies do that to the Charlotte Hornets they give up a lot of threes and those teams are hitting all of the threes that they're getting against the Hornets in the zone that they'll play just kind of sagging off trying to protect the paint a little bit more because you don't have a lot of size down there and because of that teams are punishing them from distance it was the same exact thing last night and the Grizzlies put up 130 on you and they put up even 100 points before they even got to yeah the that th- yeah that was just when you see Grayson Allen having career nights when you have Kyle Anderson and dude nicknamed slow-mo having a just a complete <laughs> otherworldly night from distance you have a problem and I guess that's where like where, where we start like this zone it's it was a crutch and now this crutch has become useless because everybody's figured you out. And you're just, again, we're going to have to see if these guys get any better at man because otherwise, this just shows you if a team has a hot shooting night and or can get any re- any and every rebound they'd like, this team is going to lose every single game of those. It's not like we play teams with really good bigs over the next two weeks. Oh, 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 wait. Yeah, we do. Um, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, there's a couple of a couple of big dudes that are awesome on the horizon for the Charlotte Hornets team. The next one up, by the way, it's Carl Anthony Towns for Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's not any good, but Carl Anthony Towns coming back into that rotation after having been out for COVID-19 protocol reasons, he came back. And so Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best big guys in the league, certainly offensively, he's going to destroy you. Uh, you talk about the lack of rebounds, not a 
Jonas Valanciunas had 15 rebounds, was just a beast yeah. down low. He's an awful, awful matchup for this team. And really, any big guy that's strong is going to be an awful matchup. And you think about Joel Embiid. Valanciunas is legitimately good. He destroyed him last night. You talk about some of these other guys on um, that are coming up next. DeAndre Ayton, Carl Anthony Towns, Nikola Jokic. You know, they're going to be tough matchups for anybody, especially for the Hornets, who only can throw Cody Zeller at you. And after that, you don't have no, any depth considering the uh, considering the big guys. Miles Bridges in this game comes off of the bench, does play 31 minutes. He gets 10 rebounds. Nobody else on the team had more than four rebounds in this game. Gordon Hayward had four rebounds. Bismack Biombo had four rebounds in the 13 minutes that he got. And other than that, nobody else had more than four rebounds in this contest except for Miles. So you, the starting lineup, I mean, it was Gordon with four, and everybody else there had three or less. <laughs> I mean, they were just – it was it was crazy. I mean, it, it, Grizzlies were, were getting everything, and they were punishing the Hornets on second-chance opportunities because of that. You look at the offensive rebounds, the Grizzlies had 19 offensive rebounds. The Hornets only had eight Overall, I it just it the size hurts them. That's just something that we expect to see every single time that we go out there. If there's a, a dude over what seven foot that is any kind of skilled, he's no, going to no. punish him. Any six eleven guy, like any six eleven guy with any sort of pulse. That's that's what it, mm-hmm. it, you got to have a pulse and you got to have functional mo- mobility at six eleven. It's why I kind of expect like Lamarcus Aldridge also to put thirty and fifteen <laughs> on him at this point because like. This is like the idea. Unfortunately, I and I hate playing this game, but it's like, what's the worst dude that you expect? What's the worst big that you expect for them to to put up at least eighteen and ten on the Hornets? Because Jakob Potel's a good candidate. Robin Lopez, Washington, he got going in the first quarter where he's just spinning and spinning and spinning and throwing up a hook really? shot and it goes in. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's going to be tough whenever you have to face any big guy that's going to get the basketball down low. Real quickly, you mentioned Kyle Anderson. Can we talk about how hilarious it is when Eric Collins and Del yeah. Curry call a game that Kyle Anderson plays in? I love it. Hey, those guys just destroy him. <laughs> he catches so many stray bullets for how slow he plays. It's funny, Eric Collins, Kyle Anderson, it was before he went on the four straight three-pointers made from the same spot thing he did last night. He hit a three, and uh, he had plenty of time to shoot it, and Eric Collins said, Kyle Anderson taking his time, and Del Curry followed up with, yeah, he takes his time every single time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he always is taking his time. I love those guys watching Kyle well, Anderson. Slow, here's the thing. Slow mo. I again. I remember watching slow mo in high school. I remember just. Yeah. And again, I, I'm just. I'm a fan of Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson is one of those people that is really, really dope, and like he's managed to carve out his his niche in the NBA despite moving at a glacial pace. <laughs> Unfortunately, that glacial pace is one of those things where. It's really, really hard. He's the he's the NBA equivalent of a knuckleball pitcher. That's what he is. Like when the knuckleball's going, it's impossible to hit. And when it's not going, it's impossible to yeah. watch. That's what <laughs> that, like that's where you're <laughs> at. Like, like that's the thing. It's impossible. But the thing with a guy like Kyle Anderson is he's still really good at what he does. You don't survive Greg Popovich if you're not really, 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 really good at what you do. Go ask Danny Green. So it, it's just one of those things like 
I, I I didn't mind them killing him, but at the same time, I felt bad because he's putting up all these buckets, and then PJ's over there getting killed because he's trying to per, like protect the paint oh, zone, God. and then he's giving up these open threes, and I'm seeing Hornets Twitter just blasting PJ, and it's like, guys, it's not entirely his well, fault. You yeah. guys well, we 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 definitely will have the PJ Washington discussion coming up, but it is funny because I don't know what Twitter account did it. It might have been ESPN, and they're showing Kyle Anderson hit four straight threes from the same exact spot and watching every single one of those clips. What's hilarious is watching PJ Washington come into the frame from the right side because he had to cover the open man on the wing. And then when he covers the open man on the wing, you just throw it right to Kyle Anderson in the corner. Who's all by his lonesome. And then PJ tries to recover because he had to try to help on the wing. And every single time it looks like PJ is just leaving him open the entire time. I'm like, oh, poor PJ. You know, like, I actually don't think he was atrocious defensively last night. That was just the way that the scheme was set up, and he was left trying to cover the bases, and here's Kyle doing the same thing once, twice, three, four times, and he sets a record. Not only did the Grizzlies set a record for most threes um, for the franchise in a game, Kyle Anderson hit the most threes he ever has in a game before. Six of eight from distance last night for slow-mo and I, and, and Eric and Dell, anytime that he would hit a shot in the paint in uh, across the three point line, they'd be like, Oh my God, slow-mo doing it. They're disgusted with him. And I love every second of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the other, like I'm more personally, I'm more disgusted with Grayson Allen coming in and looking like Duke Grayson Allen. Like that was more disgusting to me. Like I am at the point where I am physically ill watching <laughs> Grayson Allen do whatever he needs to do. Like, I, I, I needed the Maalox, the Tongs, mm-hmm. whatever. And it wasn't heartburn. It was just Grayson Allen. He was that yeah, annoying. That's, that's where we <laughs> Grayson Allen at first, and then eventually Slomo was the one hurting you. Other guys that hurt the Hornets just kind of understandably so. Desmond Bain was good in this one. Uh, NBA draft Twitter darling. I wanted Desmond Bain. Oh, ev- yeah, everybody did, including myself. Like, I, I put myself right in that group, and he had 18 points. He was 4 of 8 from the lo- uh, from three-pointer, uh, from three-point land. I can't talk. Dylan Brooks, he was 4 of 8 from three-point land, too. He had 20. I mean, you look at all the starters. They all shot well from the field for the most part, and, and really, it was John Morant who didn't have the best shooting night. Your best player he was distributing at a high level with 11 assists. And then he had a couple guys come off the bench and even Tyus Jones, who's not a good three point shooter. He was three of four from distance last night. I mean, yeah, it, it, everybody got in on the party to shoot against the Hornets. We'll take a quick time out, but first I want to talk about RockAuto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can. Uh, I can't even talk. I, what's going on? Every, everything I, did you do anything to me not like did you sneak over here and put no. something in my drink let's try this why do you blame me because for? that's the easy thing to do let's try this again with rockauto.com yeah, please do. one reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or your food so why would you choose to spend 30 percent, 50 percent, or even 100 percent more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, you can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go there again right now, rockauto.com, and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. 
need, rockauto.com. Should we have a conversation about P.J. Washington? Well, we do. That's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. And I was cutting a rug in that place, not a funk master flag. Shout out so, to him. Again, Walker, how old are you again? Uh, I am 28 years old. <laughs> I didn't know a person under 35 used cutting a rug anymore. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Eric Ayala, Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball, discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with a uh, come with being a black woman in sports. There's new episodes coming up next week, so go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast. Also, make sure you're supporting betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. You can bet online even uh, when it comes to the award shows, the TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. You can uh, bet online, and they have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. They're your online sportsbook experts. So, Nada, Rick Bennell wrote an article about P.J. Washington in the Charlotte Observer because there's a lot of people throughout Hornets Twitter, and myself included this time, that th- this this is where you're starting to see P.J. Washington really struggle. So if you look at P.J. throughout the entire season, at the beginning of the year, James Borrego calls him out for not being in shape. He wasn't playing well in preseason. Yes. He wasn't playing well at the beginning of the regular season. And there were people that were really concerned about him. I was not. I thought a lot of those struggles were because, yes, he wasn't conditioned well, he was also missing shots, but he was still taking it. it the volume of shots were, were pissing me off, too, because he wasn't taking open three pointers. That's continued to kind of happen as well. But I wasn't worried yes. about PJ at the beginning. And then you have that nice stretch before he gets injured where he's actually shooting 46 percent from the field. The three point percentage goes down. But again, it wasn't necessarily the shot making. That was a huge problem for me. It, it, it was he, he, he was getting better, right? Like it seemed like PJ Washington had, I don't know, about a seven game stretch or so where he was playing really well. He had fixed it. It really kind of was with that game against Atlanta that it, it started to be like the old PJ a little bit more. And he was automatic in the paint. I mean, he had a couple of games where everything he threw up in the paint was just gold. And then he gets hurt, yeah. comes back, and he's not been good here recently. Not a no. Um, You look at his last few games. So ever since he came back from injury, it's been three games since he goes one of seven against Washington. He goes one of four against Houston and he goes two of seven against Memphis last night. You look at when he was playing well and I kind of go to that game against Atlanta. He was shooting at least uh, 10 times from the field, really at least 11 times from the field from the Atlanta game on January 9th to the Orlando, excuse me, to the Chicago game 
on January 22nd, he was shooting at least 11 times per game, which is good. You know, I want the volume to be yeah. there. I want him to shoot the three pointers. It started to dip below double digit attempts per game, but the percentage still wasn't awful. He was still shooting, you know, a decent amount from the field, but offensively not a, there are some things that aren't really close on his shot. Um, you know, he's not as automatic in the paint as he was before he got injured. He looks out of rhythm offensively. Yeah. Like this version of bad PJ is worrying me considerably more than what the beginning of the season bad PJ was. And I, I'm not saying we need to worry about PJ long term. I'm not saying, yep, this is somebody that's going to regress. The rookie year was a mirage. I'm not even close to saying that. But this different this version of bad PJ is different than the original version of bad PJ. Well, yeah, that is. But I'm also I guess I don't I'm not as worried as most like Borrego brings up a point in Rick's article that is very true where the balls in his in PJ's hands less. And you would think with playmakers like that, that would be a lot easier. But it also you got to think that basketball is very much a rhythm game. So if he's not able to get in rhythm by getting the ball in his hands very much, then that's going to change a lot of what he does and how he feels. And he, he's just got to get comfortable at the same time. I'm going to continue to bring this up, but this is the, now the second rookie that's had a decent spurt or has looked really good in the first year and then had to overcorrect, either was given too much or grossly overcorrected and was, and something went wrong. And who's, you've got to end up simplifying his game on the other end. Because for, at least for me, we saw this with Miles. Miles was given way too much in the in the beginning of the second year. He was expected to score all the buckets. They thought he they, he was going to be a Kawhi Leonard type, or at least that's what everyone in the building was projecting. Oh to my you, God! Was that? Yeah, I remember Kawhi Leonard getting brought up a couple times. <laughs> I do. Remember, I hope we didn't. We didn't say that on this podcast, did we? No, we didn't say that. No, it wasn't us. It was some folks in the building. That's, I'm going to leave it at that. But at the same time. He was given too much. They figured out after Rick and other people, I was not one of them. I'm not gonna even going to say I was one of those trumpeting him, that it was a four. The, um, the four. Again, we found out Miles is a four. We ask him to do less, and he's being more efficient in doing less. Now we have to find that sweet spot and that comfort, comfortable spot for what, this t for what PJ needs to do. And I'm thinking at this point right now that as long as we find that comfortable spot for him, he's going to be fine. But it's just about finding that spot and finding out what he can do and cannot do and building up that confidence at this point. Because for right now, what he's doing isn't working. But also at the same time, he's not I don't think he's being put in the best position to succeed. For yeah, right it's, let's go to his comments after this game. PJ said, quote, I've been up and down. My biggest thing right now is trying to find somewhere to be consistent. He also said, sometimes I make the three pointers. Sometimes I don't. I've just got to be aggressive when I have the chance to take them before we move on. Yeah, the aggressiveness is the problem for me. I, I mentioned him just not taking the amount of the, the volume amount that I want to see him take. I want to see him take more shots because I still think he's a legitimately good three point shooter. When you come in as a rookie and you shoot 38 percent from three, that stroke looks good when he wasn't taking 
as many threes at the beginning of the season. It's funny. People were worried about his shot making. It was really within the three-point line. He was actually shooting a decent percentage for a while from distance, and it was um, yeah. he just wasn't taking uh, enough of them, in my opinion. It was driving me crazy. I tweeted it out constantly when he would pass up open three-pointers. It, it would drive me crazy, but he was hitting at a good clip. Now, not nearly as much. So the aggression does need to go up from what PJ says. I do agree with that. Here's another thing he says. Last year, the ball was in. uh, Here's another thing James Brago says. Excuse me. Last year, the ball was in his hands a lot more, more usage. This year, we have the ball in other people's hands more. He'll be the recipient a lot of other decisions and passes. Last year, he was more involved as a playmaker. I, I don't see it that way. I, and, and then you look at the usage percentage and it's not a, a huge difference, but he's actually got a bigger usage percentage this year than what he does last year. I do think that PJ is someone that could benefit from the additions of Gordon Hayward and LaMelo ball. And I think that's why I was kind of surprised to hear the usage comment because I would have predicted that PJ Washington's usage percentage was bigger this year than what it was last year based on the way that he's been trying to play. He's been putting the ball on the deck a lot more. I think you can see him trying to develop his game in that area more, which by the way, totally fine with me. And especially at the beginning of the season, I'm fine with him trying to figure out where is my ceiling as a playmaker, as someone that can create a little bit more for himself. I was totally cool with all of that. And if you need to simplify things a little bit more, then that's cool. I also want to, at least that that's fine with me, uh, just to try to figure all this out. R- before we take yeah. a quick break as well, I wanted to address your Miles Bridges comparison. You know, Miles, I think, exceeded my expectations his rookie year. I don't think by much, but and I was never hot. You didn't want him here, though. That's the thing. That's half the problem. You were pining for somebody. I else. was pining for someone else, but I also admit that he exceeded my expectations a little bit his rookie year. I also, Fair. but I, but also. I mean, it, it wasn't like he was a star. Like he, he was, he was fine. I, I, I think he, you know, was a little better than I expected. I think his sophomore campaign, he had a month where he was really good. And that was kind of it for me. You know, like you talk about consistent basketball, his second year, it was really just about a month for miles bridges. And that was towards the end. Though. Oh, well, I mean, I would I, argue that definitely. If I remember, it was like January, wasn't it? I we can look that up, like, but I, I I thought it was just about a, a month of good basketball, and then that was kind of it for Miles. You know, to be fair, I didn't want the PJ Washington selection. I didn't like that, and I loved him last year. Like I I was immediately saying, oh okay, yeah, I was all the way wrong on this. Here's somebody that comes in, and I absolutely love with what PJ's done. I just think the ceiling, the expectations compared to where they are in their second years. I think PJ is someone that it was okay to ask more of this season. And I think he still is more skilled basketball player. It's still a guy that has a higher ceiling. And miles is somebody that I've, that I've championed as being a lot better this year. I love what he's brought. I I really do. I I'm thrilled with what we've gotten from your first round pick a couple of years ago. Um, But with PJ, it's more disappointing. It, 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 it has the potential, I guess, of more uh, of being more disappointing just because I do expect more from him with the kind of ceiling that he possesses compared to Miles Bridges. And I think that's the difference between the two for me. Maybe you think Miles has a better ceiling maybe than I do and maybe even better than PJ, but I just don't see it that way. And I think that's why people are a little more concerned about PJ than they were Miles last year. 
Now, and that's fair, but I would argue that I am, and I think anyone who's listened to this podcast or followed me for any amount of time knows that I am always going to give the benefit of the doubt to supreme athleticism. And there is a clear athleticism gap between a Miles Bridges and a PJ Washington. I'm going yeah. to lean towards Miles on that nine times out of 10. So that's why I think there's still. Do you, do you think Miles has more of a ceiling than PJ? I do, man. I do think he has more of a. That, that, I, I really that, do. That, was that the case last year too? I still, I, I only because I thought that Miles was the better athlete. But even and then, the it's more reason. vertical. I mean, it's it's not like Miles is this guy that's going to blow by you with the ball, putting it on the deck. That that's not something that Miles can jump to the moon. But he's not Agreed. this crazy fast guy off of the dribble. I, I mean. He's he's probably better than PJ in that regard, but still, like I, it, I don't know, man. I mean, PJ, he's a more skilled player. He's a better shooter, even though Miles is actually shooting a better percentage from three this season, which has been excellent to see. Um, You know, I, I, yeah, I, I think, I think the ceilings for PJ and Miles are different. I'm going to go with PJ. Well, we got to take a quick break. Um, Yeah, we got to, we got to go, we got to go to break, and we, we got to, again, we got to read. You got to read to do. Go do that. (laughs) I do have a read to do, and it is for ten ten. This episode is brought to you by ten ten as well. Now you may have read about this in the New York Times and Style Magazine or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. Ten ten is an exclusive collection of ten one of a kind engagement rings designed by ten of the most distinctive designers. Designers working today using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana. Ten design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. Let's talk more about some of the leftover takes regarding that game last night against the Grizzlies coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I do not like the MB2 nickname. That Lame- oh, it's bad. Lamelo, come yeah. on, man. I mean, look, I-, I love everything else about you, but the MB times two. How in the world do you not like Airbnb, but you like MB times two? I yeah. that's that's bad. We can't allow him to create, and that's the that's the, the reason the rule exists. You can't give yourself your nickname. You can't do no, that. Exactly. So, this is as I'm, bad as Kevin Durant wanted to call himself the servant. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcast. I love that read. There are so many podcasts, so many fantasies, so many basketballs. You you stuck the landing, too. I was very happy for you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been... It's not been the smoothest reads for me no, today, and I no, felt no, good with that one. This is one of those one. six hitters. Now, again. It's a, sh- it's a six shutout. It, like, you've given up a couple of hits, a couple hard hits, 
but it's a six-hit shutout for you today. I know we're like mixing basket, we're mis- mixing baseball references and <laughs> that in the third, but this is like a six-hit shutout. You've gotten hit hard a couple of times, but you didn't give up any runs. That's the important. And thing. it's funny. I said PJ Washington covering the bases, right? That was another baseball. We're locked on <laughs> baseball today. That's what we're doing. Yeah, we are locked on baseball. Uh, let's try to focus on round ball here a little bit more. Nada. Um, Lamelo was good again last night. Let's talk about the rookie. Can't go an episode without talking about the star-studded guy you drafted third overall. To me, watching him play continuously, Nada, he just feels more comfortable within the game. Uh, I love the execution as he's dribbling. He gets into the paint, and I referenced this before. You could see it again last night. Lamelo is causing a conundrum for whatever defender is in the paint. Do you leave your post player? Do you leave Lamelo, or do you try to go towards Lamelo? And then by the end of it all, he's either deciding to shoot just a nice little floater or he's going to dump it off for an alley-oop to Miles Bridges or whoever is down there. It'd be Cody Zeller, whoever is going to be the beneficiary. He goes 8 of 15 from the field. He scored 17 points. He had five assists last night, a few turnovers, but oh well. Still, LaMelo, I thought, is is making good decisions. There was a couple of bad passes. Uh, He tried an alley-oop last night that just was way over the head of Malik Monk, and, and that was not the greatest decision. But I continue to watch LaMelo Nada, and he just feels more comfortable, and he continues to put pressure on the defense and allow this Hornets team to be way better offensively. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they lost last night. It wasn't because of LaMelo's offensive execution. Oh, no, it wasn't because of LaMelo's offensive execution. One of the bigger things that I noticed and I appreciated was that he knew that John Morant couldn't stay in front of him on defense. And the big thing is he pushed that advantage shooting over him, muscling him at muscling Morant out of the way on one of those shots where he flipped it up and also started getting involved in the in the penetrating kick. And I like that. The, the like you said, the the Aliyub to Malik, that one was less that one was about more about Morant there than it was a bad pass. And I do think that Morant being if it was anyone other than Morant, that's a flush. But I just yeah, I mean, it's probably a little tough for me. Like that was still a tough pass, but fair enough. Jaw did a good job. Jaw did a good job. And that's the other thing. Like I for everything he did, he wasn't the he he wasn't at fault for what went down last night. It was just a bad matchup. But he continues to show that he's getting comfortable with the NBA game. And dare I say it, things are slowing down for him even more. It's an awesome, it's a good problem to have. Now, granted, I did not like how he basically, and Brego was right to take him out after three because he was starting to get loose and starting to go one on five. (laughs) And that's when a lot of his bad habits start showing up. So Brego not even putting him in the fourth is a non-story for me. I know people are going to try and make something out of that. I completely understand. And again, it's another good night for the kid. Yeah, it really was. And uh, I mean, I don't know. You could argue that that game, it... It was kind of out of hand at that point. It, you still could have come back. There was still a shot. But yeah, I, I don't have a, a huge problem with what James Borrego did with LaMelo Ball either. Terry Rogier, he's a guy we need to give some love. As you had been talking about before we started recording, you wanted to give him his flowers. Uh, Terry's been crazy good at shot making this year. Yeah, I mean, he has his percentages. I continue to be in awe of it, You look at the way he's shooting from the field this entire season 
it's like nothing we've ever seen from him before. He's shooting 48% from the field on the year. He's shooting over 44% from three. Last night is no different. He was absolute fire in this game against Memphis. He went 12 of 17. He went, I think, nine of his first 10, if I'm not mistaken. He shot six of nine from three-point land. He had 34 points. And we'll see Terry go through this a, a lot this season. Not a, like we've seen yeah. Terry just absolutely catch fire quite a bit this year. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. His shot making has been otherworldly. I call him the most consistent offensive performer on this on this roster. And uh, again, granted, I'm saying offensive performer and I'm not saying most consistent Hornet because um, that would involve defense. And none of these guys really play defense like that on this roster. <laughs> So, um, I would just, again, give him his flower. He's, he's been one of the most consistent guys. Still an otherworldly shot percentage from three. Uh, I just think about, all again, how many of those shots that he had last night where he was clearly, like, fading to the right? Like, that's what stuck out to me. Oh, yeah. This was one of those nights where he was just, like, the he couldn't miss. He was just doing, like, literally heat checks after a certain point. So... At that, like, for that, Terry had a great game. I'm just getting tired of watching these games go to waste because you got to think about it. All these games where he's got these big nights, they generally end up losing. Like, I can't, like, think about the Cavs game like, to open the year. He had a big night. Another one like this, he had a big night, they'd lose. I'm getting tired of wasting these games because. Otherwise, then, like, what is he doing it for, right? I mean, and sure, yeah. I mean, he's keeping him in those games. He, he kept him in that Cavs game at the beginning of the season. He had a 35-point game against Philly to start the season, but that's Philly. You know, they they were really good. He went 12 of 18, uh, 18 in that contest, and this is the third 30-point game that he's had, and he's been really kind of steady giving you 20 points a night. It's funny you say the most consistent offensive performer, though, um, he, he might be the most consistent shot maker, especially from three point land. I mean, he has, he's just, he's the best three point shooter percentage wise on this team right now. But also it's funny that it, Gordon Hayward, when he gave you the big nights, when he gave you 34 and 39 in those back-to-back games against Chicago and Orlando, he gave you 34, a couple of games before that against New York, he was getting a lot of attention hasn't been getting as much attention recently. The most points he scored in the last seven games or so has been, he scored 27 against Milwaukee, scored 25 a couple times out against Washington and Utah, but it's LaMelo ball getting all of this attention. And it's Terry who is just raining from three all the time, but Gordon's percentages are crazy good too. You know, he's actually shooting a better percentage overall from the field and he's still shooting 42% from three-point land this season. And so while you call him the most consistent offensive performer, I would still say Gordon because he's better in the paint. He's better decision-making wise. He's a better passer, but just shot making certainly from distance. It's been Terry and he's been, it's been fun to watch both of those guys score at will. I mean, it, it's been crazy for, for to see how efficient they are when the ball goes up in the air for them. It, it's been nuts to see those numbers co- uh, come about the way they have this season and got to give a tip to the ca- uh, tip of the cap to both of those guys real quickly too, before we end, uh, I thought this was Malik Monk's worst offensive game since he's been yeah. back in the rotation. Um, I don't think it was his worst defensive game. I thought he was good. Like, I thought when you put him in front of John Morant, 
compared to a Terry Rozier or anybody else, he actually stopped some penetration quite a bit. Um, I, I thought, you know, Malik Monk has been just fine defensively to even good defensively has been Malik. He was two of eight from Fair. the field. He passed up a three point shot to dribble inside for an open mid ranger and he missed it. That was, you know, not a good decision for me. I didn't like that shot selection. He only had a, uh, he only had one assist in this one. Um, you know, he had a, he had a, a couple of turnovers. It's, it's not like anything crazy egregious. He just shot wasn't falling for him. And even then he shot two of five from three point land. So it's not like, you know, it, it's not like it was just this god awful performance, but I thought offensively no, it, it was his worst game, and I thought defensively he's still bringing it and, and doing just fine on that end. He's doing just fine, and I'm one of those guys that believes that he he's carved out a niche for himself. I I, I do think that we we're not going to have to worry about Malik going to the bench like that anytime soon. I I want to see a little bit more offensive consistency though. Because there have been times this year, at least since he's been back. Now, granted, he's hit double digit most of these times, but at the same time, I just like to see a little bit more consistent shot making and a little bit more consistent decision making. And granted, him having to shoulder some more of that bench load of playmaking because Devontae's out, that that also um like that's the thing. I I, I guess I want to see a little bit more f- better floor game from him offensively. The shot making is going to be there for him, but I I just need to know. I, I I just need a little bit more consistency offensively right now. Yeah, I mean, and 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 for me, I think it, there was that one time where Malik was down, you know, basically on the block, and he was in trouble, and he had nice footwork down there, and was able to get a layup off, but it was still pretty tightly contested. Then he missed that. You're looking at him shooting at the rim. He's not finishing at the rate he was last year, but I also think that's going to come like there's still some times where he'll be hanging in the air. And I think it was maybe against Houston or maybe against Washington where there was like the Malik from last year finishing at the rim, maybe a shot or two of those. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is, this is going to happen at, at some point to, to the rate it, it did last year where he was so good. Um, so we'll see exactly how the Hornets are able to bounce back. It was a loss that they suffered to the Grizzlies last night, 130 to 114. They play again against the Timberwolves on Friday and we'll be back with you tomorrow to preview that game and we have the og david walker he's going to be joining us too so make sure you catch us tomorrow again david walker along with myself nada and uh and uh, hopefully we can continue to bring in some more guests to the podcast series that wraps up this edition of locked on hornets thanks again to rockauto.com for supporting the show now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of locked on nba really any show on the locked on podcast network have a great day we'll be back with you tomorrow Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Before we go, I need to let you guys know that this episode was brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. See y'all tomorrow, man.